thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be reasonable. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Welcome pilots, you're tuned to the guard frequency, because as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 241 of the best damn space sim podcast ever, recorded on Friday, December 7th, 2018, and made available for download Tuesday, December 11th, 2018, over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Ken Shadow. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff on this Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. And Henry's stream go on when I close my eyes every second of the night. Right, Kinchato? That's right, Jeff. Remember, folks, Guard Frequency is not a one-way conversation. We welcome your comments over at GuardFrequency.com and Discord.GuardFrequency.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at GuardFreak or Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so hit us up and tell us what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should come and join us at 10.30 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency Live over at twitch.tv forward slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn Space Sim podcast ever? You can always show your support by visiting our website, clicking on that Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all of our Patreons who support us week on week, and we hope you consider joining them, because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Just head over to our website and click on the big Patreon logo to help out. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One and Heroes Rise. Priority One covers all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure and check them out over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. And the housekeeping's done, so let's get to the show. What do we got in store this week, Brian? In this week's flight deck, we bring you all the headlines from Simulated Space, including the latest news from Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, and Little X4, and the Little Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. Next, we'll get the news from the Deep Black with Spencer McDunn on Galactic Public Radio. After that, we continue our audio adventure, Guard Frequency Origins, with a satisfying ending to the second adventure, we swear. Finally, we open the feedback loop and let you join in the fun. Lace up your booties, campers. It's time to head out to the flight deck. Speed 175, Port Bay, hands on approach, check your screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Here are the top news bits from the world of Space Sims. Frontier will release Chapter 4 of the Beyond series on December 11th, probably about the same time as this show hits the interwebs. Quit copying us, Frontier. SIG updated everyone on a whole bunch of ship progress, including the Carrick, and the Judge updated everyone on the Crytek lawsuit. X4 has been out a week and got a little bug fix update, and also Rebel Galaxy Outlaw is living up to its rebellious and outlaw-ish title by getting all up in the grill of the man and telling him what's up. So uh, maybe we'll go backwards again this time. Uh, real just a quick update. Uh, X4 came out last week, and it, as we discussed, not not 100% bug-free. Not a, It's not 100% uh, smooth at this point. 
my son uh, generously in my stead uh, used the family library on Steam to play my copy for me uh, to check it out a little bit. I, I, I thanked him for How that. How gracious. It was. It was. It was very gracious of him. So Did, he, did you thank him profusely? Oh, very much so. I Very much so. And I, t- I told him that, that what he had to do uh, as payment for that was he had to tell me what he thought of it so I could repeat that for everybody here. Uh, his, his, his analysis is basically the same as Jeff. The controls are wonky. Uh, a little bit, he's a little bit disappointed in the control scheme. And when he tried it, there were a bunch of uh, uh, crashes when he tried to get into certain menus uh, and uh, uh, certain functions. Apparently, there's been a, sh- a small uh, bug fix update that's supposed to take care of a lot of that stuff. But still, they're still finding their wings a little bit. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll of course report back when we actually get the game to work and have some more fun with it. Jeff, did you have a chance to play this week, Jeff? I, not until they fix the controls game. But I, I won't uh, continue my pilot until I can actually fly my pilot. So <clears throat> I log in, I get the starting camp, the starting startup, and check my control scheme. And if I can't get it to work, it don't go. Well, we'll keep an eye on it and make sure that uh, they uh, they get those controls worked out. And then we'll uh, tell you more of our thoughts once we've actually got some time in the pilot uh, seat there. So we'll keep an eye on it for you. Uh, next one was a little. Uh, this one it doesn't surprise me. Surprise me, but it um, is a bold move. Bold move for Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. But we should not be surprised because the name the name says it all. Um, they uh, the uh, publishing company uh, Double Damage uh, announced on their Twitter feed for Rebel Galaxy Outlaw that they are going quote all in on the Epic Store, which is. We're going to say an upstart competitor to Steam. They're trying to be anyway. Um, Are they really the, trying the to be a Steam? Because I, I, at they're going to try it. I, I, at this point, I don't think Steam can be upped. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, here, I think they're ways. They're they're in this case, they're using like their uh, their momentum and their hype to help the platform instead of using a big platform to sell their game. You know. So it kind of shows you where they are yeah. and the way they think about their marketing. But I think it's a mistake to do that. Because me personally, I'm not going to buy it until it's on Steam if I'm buying it for the PC. It's just the way it is. I, I like it better. It's, it's, a, gamb- right. it's, a, it's a gamble. But, but here's, here's, the, here's the flip side of it. So I'm still going to buy it because, I mean, I'm used, to be, I'm used to this whole stupid... Uh, I've given up on the whole caring about platform thing. You know, I used to be a real... I used to moan and groan about ARC back on Star Trek Online and EA's origin thing, and Bethesda's launcher. I, I just give up. Whatever. Fine. Everybody wants their own launcher now. Whatever. Um, so it doesn't bother me. So I'll still buy it, even if, on, even if it's only sold through that Epic platform. But Henry has decided not to. So that's one sale still on, one sale maybe off. The difference, though, is that Steam charges a 30% royalty on games, and Epic charges a 12% royalty on games. So, Henry, it's We'll see when you come around. Basically, that's the calculation double damage is making. It's like, we can afford that. We can afford to lose half our sales, and we'll still make roughly the same amount of money Which off of only is a good gamble if they're going to release it on those other platforms to pick guys like me up later. I think the exclusivity is obviously going to be short-lived, and that's fine. I'll just wait. Actually, that... They even, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't work out quite the way you think it does, Tony. Oh, why is that? Because Steam reaches millions of players, and I doubt that this this Epic's platform reaches that level of of coverage that Steam does. Uh, there's quite and, a few Fortnite players out there that would disagree, but 
yeah, but most of them are most of them are on an Xbox platform and not and are not really on the PC platform. Uh, I don't know about that. That's exactly the point I was making, though, Jeff, about how you know they're they're trying to drive the platform here. They're not trying to drive their game. They're trying to do this to support the platform because it's not the better move for them, honestly. I mean, they're going to get yeah. some exclusivity, and I'm sure they're going to get better than that 12% everybody else is going to get on Epics because they're bringing this hype train that they're bringing. No, um, what, they're, what they're thinking is is that they've got anybody that's going to buy the game is going to buy the game anyway. <laughs> they get more money if they go through sure yeah. through uh, Epic. Part of, I mean, a part of the problem that Steam has, right, and this is this has been kind of ongoing for the last couple of years, is that once upon a time it was a great way for an indie small publisher to get some visibility because you cycled through the front page or got upvoted or whatever, and it rose to the tippity top of the list. But it's there's a lot of noise, and it's hard to pick out a signal these days. I think the gamble is that if you've heard of Rebel Galaxy, uh, the the first game, and you liked it, you're likely to buy this next game. So they have sort of an independent cachet of their own that they can sort of bank on. And there will be people like Henry that says, I don't want to do another one of these platform things. It's not the thing that I'll just wait around for. That's fine. They're gonna, they'll, they'll, they'll see you around the road, uh, down the road. Like you're saying, Henry, they'll probably go to other platforms at some point. But they're going to they're gonna use whatever marketing uh, uh, momentum they have to drive uh, sales to the Epic platform. I think the days of, of, of just having Steam only on the PC have sailed. I mean, you have all these other storefronts that people are being forced to go through anyway for all the exclusives like uh, EA's Origin or, uh, you know, uh, Battle.net is, you know, got Activision games now and things like that. Uh, having Epic's store slash launcher for Fortnite carry other games too, I, I think most PC gamers in, in this space or have tried Fortnite, so they probably have that one already installed anyway. So it, it's not a huge burden uh, for other games to be on that platform and people to, to jump on that. So I would say for a large percentage of the community, it's not that big of a deal anymore. It used to be a really big deal. And it used to be like, uh, you know, it wouldn't do anything besides Steam. And then, you know, GOG kind of broke the mold a little bit and then they kind of yeah. moved on from there. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I think that the idea of Steam is that um, Steam is so prolific now, and, and yes, their their exclusive uh, days are gone. Uh, you know, but they still have a base of of people that have it on their desktop and are using it for their library of games, and so. There is a market there that can't be denied. Um, I, you know, I, I've got uh, the Bethesda launcher. I have uh, the Blizz launcher. I have uh, GOG and Origin. And, you know, some of these have been around for years trying to be like Steam, but they never will be like Steam. Um, and, I, you know, I'm not opposed to having another launcher on my system, um, it, it just it's just one more gateway I have to go through. Except uh, you know, except for Arc, I don't I don't use Arc. I I go directly to the the game executables. So yeah, there there's uh you know things that work and things that don't. 
I wish I wish there was a common. I mean, if we were going to talk about launchers, I could get into this conversation all night long. There's common things I'd like to see in a launcher, but that's a different topic for another time. I view this as kind of analogous to every uh, TV network and movie studio wanting their own streaming service. You know, they you know Disney canceled uh, uh, Daredevil on Netflix probably because they want to use that as one of their anchor shows for their new thing that they're going to launch. They, they canceled um, all the Marvel stuff, by the way. They're, they're pulling it all yeah, over. This, this is not, yeah, surprise. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but you know, that, that too can bite them in them. Look at what Paramount did, you know, when they tried to uh, launch their own uh, uh, UPN uh, uh, network, you know. Or more recently, CBS and Star Trek Discovery with their all-access service. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's everybody's trying to uh, push a new platform that way. I think the difference is is that the math, uh, it, the the math, the math gamble is like you know Jeff was saying, uh, the sheer number of eyeballs you get on Steam, right, and the, the sheer number of install of the installed base on Steam, versus the uh, higher royalty on Epic, and the the rubber's going to meet the road where if uh, double damage can convert the number of people they think will buy Rebel Galaxy Outlaw efficiently over to the new platform, or whether people really just are lazy and only will buy it if it's on Steam. <clears throat> so that, that that's the gamble. It'll be interesting to see how it works out, but I think Henry's right, too, is that that exclusivity period will be you know, relatively short-lived. 60, 90 days, maybe, tops. That's what I'm um, thinking. Yeah. The other thing I object to is, I, for example, I have no desire for Fortnite. So I don't want to open up a launcher and see ads and spamming for, you know, hey, download Fortnite. And yeah, well, that's what that's what the launchers are there for. They're there to promote, cross-promote the other games that the publisher makes. I mean, that's 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 why they want you to install it. So, I mean, that, and that's the that's the trade-off and that's the kind of annoyance. That's how everybody that's how Blizz got everybody to install Hearthstone, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, yeah. and all their other minion games. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's the way it's the way things are. I mean, it's why people want you know Netflix and Hulu and CBS All Access and Amazon Prime and all these other things. They want you to get into their ecosystem and just never leave. Um, and so, but I think most people are, have caught on to that and will float between platforms with more ease than maybe they used to. Another little short bit here from uh, the world of Elite Dangerous. The uh, beta is done. The patch will release next Tuesday as you are uh, getting this show. And, I mean, obviously that is to coincide with the release of our show. Of course. Uh, we know this We know this is how these large companies work. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to downloading that. Uh, it the, the, the new features uh, that we have been sort of looking at and playing with uh, we'll need everyone to sign into their accounts and join our squadron guard frequency response located in the and seath system so if you're a fan of the show if you're a listener and you've got elite dangerous installed we invite you uh, to join us there uh, and we'll and uh, and join our squadron and park your ship at, at denver station in the and seath system and uh, hopefully we'll see you there uh, on december 11th and hopefully the dot dot patch, which fixes all the things they break with the new release, will be out on December eighteenth, which you know, following their usual their usual pattern. I've, has anybody else stopped playing Elite until it drops now? Since they can't get in beta? Uh, no. I mean, I I, I haven't played this week just because I've been out of town and, and I've been busy. But uh, Shiv has already started doing the hauling 
to op- for Operation Ida to Barnwell Station in UGP-145 system. That's going to be our little project. Uh, and I, I just opened just a moment ago uh, their fundraiser. Uh, they're still sitting at $70, but they haven't actually officially started the campaign yet. So they've got a, just a reminder, they've got a $500 goal for uh, the direct relief tr- uh, charity uh, in conjunction with hauling items for uh, Operation Ida. Now, Operation Ida officially will have a uh, station, in, I believe, in the Pleiades sector that they're sort of officially uh, having people uh, go to. But uh, Barnwell Station is like right in our neighborhood at Anseeth. And so I think we, you know, that for guard frequency response, that's how we're going to be helping out. Uh, through some publicity for their uh, charitable uh, drive and by continually reminding everybody, hey, go help Operation Ida. So uh, that will go until January 4th, I think. Uh, Officially, it'll start December 14th, so three days after the release of this show on the Internet and three days after the uh, patch goes live. So that's that's the schedule there. Other than that, we're just sort of waiting and holding our breath in Elite Dangerous, so not a whole lot to just talk about right now. So I thought we'd get into the bidness here this week uh, with, with the Star Citizen, because there's a relatively high volume amount of news here. We'll start with uh, a whole lot of ship update things happened. Like, uh, they got on the inner tubes and, like, said a whole bunch of things about ships. Well, I don't think we can cover all of them all of them here, no. so I encourage everyone who, there's a lot. if you have a ship in the pipeline and you really want to know the status of it, head over to RTV and, and uh, you know, watch Disco Lando interview uh, the uh, the ship pipeline directly, uh, John John Crew. Yeah, John Crew, I believe is the name. Yeah, yeah, for like two hours. Uh, I guess some of some highlights. Uh, Carrick was covered. It, you know, they they have a video and some nice screenshots of the uh, the update. Uh, lots of debates and um, raging discussions on the internet about how the the butt got chopped off and, and things like that. Uh, I'll leave I, that I up don't to know. You. I kind of like the look of it. I, I'm I'm now interested in the Carrick. So. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I I'm I'm am still as interested in it as I as I was when I I, I, I CCU'd to one a while back. Um, it's it's still a great little ship. Uh, it's I, I I can see people's criticism in that it looks a little um, like front heavy now, you know, because the butt is smaller. But but whatever, I, it'll have to be like with final art for me for me to actually gauge it because it's all like yeah. half textured and stuff in the shots. Yeah, it's all white boxed. Yeah, and um, so the the Vanguard's getting a quote unquote touch, which means that uh, all the Vanguard variant like. Uh, hulls are going to get uh, uniformed because uh, they're not because the two that they have in game right now aren't the same hull, and so that's causing them problems. And they're going to fix it so that the the you know the buck system would actually work for you swapping out the pieces and everything. Um, the ramp gets bigger, etc. There's some shots in the in the video about it. They touched on why uh, the Idris. Um, despite it being almost done, is not in game or was not fully visible in the show, which is pretty much what people suspect. It's uh, Aaron and Chris are holding it back uh, in terms of the PU um, because of Squadron 42. So they want your first experience to be there, and they think that putting it in the PU is kind of a spoiler for that. So, And also because it's really huge and you can't make it work in the PU yet with a bunch of fighters flying around it. Well, they make. I don't know about that. They have it. They had it in the uh, in the show floor, so you could walk around it during the um, ages. But day. not inside it. You couldn't go inside it, right? 
people have put people have uh, the, the inside is somewhat done. Apparently, there's a couple missing rooms right now, um, but for the most part, it's 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 mostly done. And people have pulled the models out. Uh, you can find a video from Teller on YouTube of him doing a fly through of the whole thing. And, and none of it's really spoiler in my opinion, because it's all rooms that you visited in the in the Moro tour or in the other videos that Sig has released. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But um, uh, I, I enjoyed the fly through. I did too. The, the other thing I found uh, interesting was that they define the sizes and how the sizes of the different modules were going to work. So, you know, uh, for the, are you talking uh, about for the Carrick or for the? No, just in general. So, so size one and two were going to be you know liftable by by a single person. Size three, or uh, you would have to have some equipment and or tractor beam to install. And size four would recall, require a shipyard, um, and they're mostly tightly integrated in in with the uh, with the different ships. I'm, I'm glad to see that was finally you know brought down to some kind of uh, definition. Right, and they mentioned that like the modules that you would add on to say the Endeavor would be physicalized. So you'll act, for instance, if you have the Endeavor with the science module and the medical module you know whatever ones that currently equipped would actually be the module itself would be just sitting in your hangar and you could see like the you know the, the, the uh, like the giant cyclotron or whatever it is just taking up a ship space um, rather than being on the ship which I thought was kind of cool um, they mentioned that the the other ships that have modularity like the caterpillar it's all still in the plan and they have a system that they have devised for how to swap those out. Um, the, the entire rooms can be, we can use the exact same module system um, that you you use right now for weapons. It's just a bigger module. And they said that it, it works, I guess, in testing, but they, they don't have those those pieces done yet or, or even started yet that will be swapping out for, for the Caterpillar, but that's still all in all in the plan. They mentioned, which is not a surprise, that the Banu Merchantman is gated by the Defender, which is being worked on this year. So later this year, once they have, once the Defender comes out, they'll start working on the Banu Merchantman. Is there any ship anybody's really interested that I can that I'm, I'm not mentioning? The Carrick was the big one because they had the video that uh, everybody had there, and uh, so that that's the that's the one I think a lot of people were kind of looking forward to because exploration is a big part of the game that people want and. Also, still waiting for what yeah, that's going to be. I don't think, I don't think most be. people want the Carrick for exploration. I think the room, most people want, want the Carrick because it is like the Mega Connie. You know, it's like a jack of all trade ship. You know, it has like, it ha, it's able to deploy both a ground vehicle and a flying vehicle. It has a med bay. It has exploration suites. It can has it has a sizable cargo room. It has huge like module slots and things like that. It, it's just like a like a catch all ship. It does it does kind of everything. And and that's what and that's what peaked you know when I saw that and you know, that's what piqued me about the character looking at that going, hmm. I you know I could I could dump the Connie for that. Yeah, I mean it's definitely like. You know the next step up now it, obviously it takes more people <laughs> just like everything oh that's another thing they clarified which was which is interesting in that they they clarified that you know there are things that are solo and there's other things that are 
solo, but they're defined, but they're, they can they can be soloed by a single person, but they have to be done different ways. So they mention like the Reclaimer. The Reclaimer is a huge ship, right? It has many seats. But Disco said, you can actually take out a Reclaimer in theory with just one person, no NPCs or anything like that, and actually go use it. You're not going to be nearly as efficient as a guy who has a whole crew of people with like tractoring stuff in and running the drones and all that stuff. But you can run a Reclaimer by yourself and do salvage without any functional impairment. That said, you know, you can, as a single individual, you can also do the same thing with an Idris. Uh, but if you want to do it with an Idris, you have to hire NPC crew. And so because of this whole d- discussion, he made it very, he made it clear that, you know, if you're willing to put the, the resources into it, you can solo all, any, any ship that they've currently, currently sold or, or spec. I'm sure it probably tapers off at some point where you have to have real people for any ship bigger than that. But, but, but that's, a, that's been a debate that's been raging in the form, forums for a very long time. So there will be ships up to a certain point. You don't even have to hire NPCs, but above a certain point, you're going to have to hire NPCs. And then there's this, that mid-tier goes up to some point where you're still going to have to hire probably some NPCs, but you're also going to have to have other players. Right, right. And I think I think it's also a, a good point to notice for anybody that, that wants to rage at me real quick uh, that obviously real people can uh, work. We're all Obviously, real people work better than NPCs in, in almost any such scenario <laughs> there. So... Uh, uh, anybody that would run an Idris with Justin PC is, is, is running at a at a performance loss of some sort. All right. So now here's here's the here's the part where um, everyone can we can just chat about stuff now because uh, the judge has ruled on the most recent motion to dismiss by CIG. Brief recap of where we are. So there was the complaint, which said about a bunch of mean things about CIG, and then uh, CIG moved to dismiss the complaint. The judge grant, or granted a couple pieces of that motion to dismiss, saying, yeah, those things we're not going to talk about, but left most of it intact. One of the things she denied, or one of the one of the things she um, uh, granted on the motion to dismiss was the 2.1.2, which was a particular... Uh, part of the whole game licensing arrangement. But in a footnote, she said, you know, what you ought to do is talk about 2.4, you know, uh, see what you can do on on that business there. And so Crytek went back and amended their original complaint, the first thing they they filed, and they said, okay, here's where we're going to, here's where CIG violated the license from 2.4. 2.4 was about promoting, developing, creating, licensing a competing game engine. And the judge wanted to see more stuff about that. So they changed their complaint to talk about that. CIG then moved to dismiss that piece. They said, okay, fine, that little piece that they've just changed, that needs to go away too, and here's a bunch of reasons why. So the judge then ruled on that, uh, looks like yesterday. And I haven't had a whole lot of time to do a deep dive into it. I've just kind of done a first um, read-through of it. But basically, the judge granted that motion, too. So she invited Crytek to amend and talk about 2.4. Crytek did. judge says, that was disappointing, and granted CIG's motion to dismiss the stuff on 2.4. Now, this doesn't change any of the other things that were in the earlier motion to dismiss. She denied the motion to dismiss on all the other stuff, copyright stuff, uh, the uh, uh, updating stuff, the uh, 
trademark stuff in as much as it's based on California law and not sort of federal law type things. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of things to unpack here. But essentially she, the Crytek was invited to do a do-over. They did it. The judge was disappointed in it and um, said, yeah, that's, you know, that, that's out too. She did give them leave to amend it one more time. She said, okay, maybe third time's the charm, boys. But they've got a long road to hoe for two quick reasons here. Number one, CIG cited a case in their motion to dismiss that was about a TV manufacturer. And it had a, bear, it had a, a definition and a bearing and an analysis of the whole in the business of. So it was CIG in the business of game engine development. And they had the, the case was about a TV uh, manufacturer being in the business of distributing television. Well, they distribute televisions, but they don't really distribute television. Uh, and so the case kind of talked about that. So the first thing that Crytek could do theoretically is come back and brief the judge on saying, that TV case is great and all, but here's why it doesn't apply. That's option one. Option two is they could actually try to provide some facts that say, yeah, yeah, judge, the, the, the cases say this, but we actually have some proof and some facts and some allegations that say this contract means something different. But what that means is they'd have to dive into who said what and when and how and, and what the context was. And they're going to have to provide some documentation to support that, affidavits, emails, something. So they can either argue on the law and get the judge to change their mind on that, or they can try to bring up more facts, which is what the judge is looking for in the first place. So, uh, But unless they do that, the whole um, uh, software licensing sort of uh, issue with uh, the change from uh, CryEngine to Lumberyard is mostly gone away unless they can pull it out. Um, but all the other stuff is still good to go, and they're still going to have to go through discovery on that stuff. So it's good news then, right? I mean, it, it, it's, this was, I mean, just in sheer like volume of where the case could go and how crazy it could get, this cuts out maybe 70 to 80% of like Crytek's raw, I'm going to say negotiating power. That's what I'm going to say. I mean, this is where the rubber is going to meet the road on, on what Crytek wants. If they were trying for a payday, that's gone. That I mean, to me, it, to me, it seems like that's gone at this point. If they were just looking for a pile of money, they might. They're still. They still have a bunch of claims out there, right? Like this is they, the judge only granted like one of the seven, and maybe and, and and that's still all there, right? All the other stuff's still there, but this one was the one that was going to get nasty. This is the one that was going to get nasty, and that's gone now, more or less, unless they can pull it out of the fire, um, and so. The negotiating power at the settlement table for Crytek, in my opinion, in my view, just dropped considerably. Um, and, we're the, and another caveat: this is a shoot from the hip thing because I didn't have time to go review the cases that CIG cited and, and you know really do a deep dive on it. But shooting from the hip, if they're looking for a, a, a cash payout, that's kind of toasted now. If they're looking to blow something up or dig something out or get a pound of flesh. They still got a lot of things to talk about. If they want to go through the CIG's books and get all up in their business and do a lot of expensive discovery, they they still have a pretty clear path to do that. So we'll, the next developments will tell us what Crytek's real goals were. Um, if they walk away, they're just after a payday. If they keep at it, they're after something else. Wouldn't, wouldn't SIG still be incentivized to settle to halt the discovery? Oh sure, yeah, definitely. But 
the the size of the settlement. I mean, and let's let's review on this too. Crytek has not wanted to settle, and we'll find out if the reason they didn't want to settle is because they're holding out for a bigger pile of money, mm-hmm. or if they want to go through their uh, 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 books like a raccoon through a dumpster. I get it. So if we hear about a if we hear about settlement talks, we know what the, the motivation was at this point. Yeah, if 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 uh, we start seeing a bunch of filings like you know let's push back the due date on this for you know settlement negotiations or we're going to mediation now or you know if we start seeing that kind of stuff it'll, it 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 kind of moves the needle more towards Crytek was looking for a payday and they just kind of got their legs knocked out from under them. If we see yeah we're going to discovery now we're going to go through with this stuff then the needle moves back more towards they really do want to see what was going on and go after them. So, you know, and, and again, I want, one more, just want to repeat, this is my initial read on it, very quick shoot from the hip kind of move, but that's where my, that's where my guts tell me this is, this is uh, how it wound up. Uh, so it, numerically, Crytek still has a lot of arrows in the quiver, but this one was their, this one was their biggin. This one was their biggin, and unless they can pull it out, that, this one hurt. This one hurt for Crytek. Not getting that money out of their fancy lawyers, are they, huh? Well, I... And honestly, I was a little disappointed when I saw the second complaint because it's just like you know, you know, Temba his arms wide, you know, Darmok and Jolene, you know, give me some more here, guys. <laughs> I need we need to see more. And one of the, this is and this is interesting too is that from the beginning I've also kind of been pointing fingers at Ortwin and said, you know, the dude sat on both sides of the table, and that's a that's a big issue. If they want to save that two point four claim, Crytek needs to come forward with a little something to to make the judge sit up here. If there really was a problem, it was in that negotiating phase when Crytek said, yeah, we'll make your trailers for you. Yeah, we'll kind of put the the effort in and and do what we need to do to make our ground game first-person shooter engine work in space and film that for you, and you can, you know, uh, take the sizzle reel out there. And in in return for that, you're going to splash CryEngine everywhere, and you're going to tell everybody how awesome CryEngine is, and you're going to be our marquee game and all this stuff. If we have evidence that that was the discussion and that was the deal and that was the understanding and that Ortwin was a a key person facilitating that, that needs to come out now. And the the judge judge isn't going to have any more patience for that sort of thing down the road. It's theoretically possible that you could they could still move along, find that evidence later, and then resurrect this claim. Why would why would that's they sit on something like that? Are you, you're saying that's the question. That's the question. If you've got it, you know the, this is this is the judge going. If you've got something, now is the time, because it, you can try to argue with her on the law, but uh, trying to tell a judge that they're wrong on the law. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you can try it. You can try it, but. That's they're like, you know what you can do, Mr. Counselor? Feel free to appeal this decision to the next level up. The judge has decided what the law is on the case. Move along. So the better road is to bring the judge more facts. And that's what that's what she was looking for when she invited CIG to amend the complaint with the with the Correct. to the two point four. Yeah. Without additional facts that say that case is great, Your Honor, but here's how our case is different. Here are some facts on that. You know, you can read that law, the the case, the law, of the case, the way that uh, that CIG uh, gave you. That's great. We're distinguishable. That's that's the key word. The, the key law word is distinguishable. So um, unless they can do that, uh, and and you know, like an, like a, uh, some copies of emails or an affidavit of somebody who's at the table or something to give the judge more to go on, the, the, they kind of got their legs cut out from under under them on this one. So, but we'll see. 
Now that we're all caught up on Space Sim News, let's get caught up on Space News with Galactic Public Radio. Good evening from Galactic Public Radio on NC. I'm Spencer McDunn, and these are the top headlines from around the known galaxy. The push to replace the current Imperial ruler gained momentum with the discovery of the new potential heir to the throne. For the latest, we go to Smooth Furnace. Thanks, Spencer. Ever since the isolationist Nova Imperium faction called for the replacement of Emperor Arissa Lavinie Duval, commentators have been waiting for any indication that their attempt would be anything but a short-lived retread of the previous succession drama. With the identification of 18-year-old Hadrian Augustus Duval as a genetic heir to the late, assassinated Emperor Hengist Duval, that signal has been sent. According to several sources, Nova Imperium claims that Hadrian's father was born as the result of a clandestine affair between Hengist and a household slave. This makes Hadrian a direct male line descendant of Hengist. As Arissa and Ashling Duval were the only direct descendants competing for the throne after Hengist's death, having a male alternative has caused a certain amount of coronation remorse. The Imperial Herald's political journalist Cassia Carvalho noted the gravity of this development by stating, quote, Having Hadrian as a figurehead has rallied those hardliners more comfortable with the idea of a male emperor. With a single stroke, Nova Imperium has gained considerable credibility and massively increased its support, end quote. The group's outspoken figurehead, so-called Imperator Queso Mordanticus, released a statement to the media stating, quote, Arissa Lavinie Duval is a weak emperor who must be removed. We call for Hadrian Duval to be recognized as the true heir to the throne. End quote. While the shock of the revelation is plastered all over the news feeds, some commentators are questioning the timing of Hadrian's appearance. The succession crisis during Hengist's long illness, last-minute marriage proposal to Arissa's mother, and ultimately his assassination should have brought forth a challenger with a claim as strong as Hadrian's years ago. Is this simply a manufactured crisis, or is it a return to the imperial tradition of a male ruler? From the Achenar system, for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Smooth Furnace. Thanks, Smooth. The Interstellar Health Organization, a quiet inter-superpower bureaucracy charged with regulating medical developments throughout human space, has found itself in the middle of heavy media scrutiny. First, they have been the target of relentless public relations campaign designed to ensure the approval of nanomedicine treatments designed by Vitadine Labs. Professor Katrian Rook stated in a press release, quote, After months of trials, we are inviting medical authorities, including the Interstellar Health Organization, to review our data. Pending approval, we hope to have Vitadine nanomeds on the market soon. End quote. With promises of everything from adding 50 years to human lifespans to healing injuries and preventing infection, the regulator is under intense pressure to approve the product. Also, the IHO is reviewing a merger of two large pharmaceutical companies. Allied Medical Industries and Neosav, Inc. are in talks to form a mega corporation, which will be called Neomedical Industries. 
The new company will sell drugs, equipment, and services to both Alliance and independent systems. The merger has drawn the attention of the Vandermeer Corporation, which supplies medicines exclusively within federal territory. The merged company will be large enough to compete directly with Vandermeer and will likely try to extend its market share. The IHO had no comment on either story. Finally, in local news, Guard Frequency Response has begun efforts to repair Barnwell Station in System UGP-145. Associate Director Richard Clemens stated, quote, While the official emphasis of Operation Ida will likely focus in the Pleiades sector, we here in NC System cannot ignore the plight of our neighbors only a few short light years away. It could have been us, and maybe next time it will be. End quote. Independent pilots are encouraged to sell indium, gallium, and water purifiers at the station. Or go fund them with cash direct relief donations. Until the next turn of the worlds for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Spencer McDunn. Good night. Tires and light the fires, big daddy. Can you set this robot to target drug guys? Uh, you hear over the shared channel, uh, uh, someone say, Well, I suppose we could try. Who are the drug guys? Are you the drug guys? No, I'm not. not I'm not oh, drug guy. Okay. They're the ones that. In the, in the other rooms, they're trying to kill everybody. Oh, okay. We can set something like... Why don't you all just come on out of here and we'll just take care of ter- take care of things from here. How come their whole squad is made up of Walmart greeters? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Walmart, you want a buggy? <laughs> <laughs> and you hear a third voice come over and say, come over and say, Look, buddy, it's hard to get jobs in retirement. You know, it's not all... You have to reinvent yourself constantly. It's not easy out there, Sonny. Sure. That, that, that was the guy who was not driving. I, are you guys just doing this for the Fruity Odie bars? <laughs> it, it is three squares a day. Nothing to be sneezed at, Sonny. Tell me your don't name you, is Jeff. Oh, my God. Turn your nose up at me. <laughs> all right, so the, the robot kind of trundles in, and uh, and uh, the guy, the controlling, it goes... Which way do we go? I point him towards right. the uh, a-hole factory. So, so the the, the robot the robot kind of starts going down that direction, and uh, the first guy goes, "Well, we, we, it looks like it, if it's just a group of stragglers, it looks like we got it, got it under control, Mister Clemens. And anything else we can do do for you today?" And Clemens sort of like keeps his mouth shut and looks to you guys like. Or maybe you know, like, he could. Can we leave now? Can we go? Can we go? The whole thing up. What's that? Maybe the robot can blow up the whole building for us, so we can go home. Uh, do a uh, systems check. Just a... uh, this one. This one is an easy one. Six. I just wanted to make sure he didn't get a one. Uh, the visible weapons on these things are a chain gun and a laser. 
So it's it's not a it's not a blowy uppy thing. It's an anti personnel. I don't know, man. I could wreck your house with a chain gun and a laser. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute. I'll bet you, dude. This is a moon base. <laughs> so. I think we're good here. So uh, if you if you fellas could just murder everyone else left here after we leave, that would be great. Hey, um, hey, 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 I don't I, I tell you how to do your like, job. You don't tell me how to do mine. You've already wrecked my house. Go, you go, you go take off, Sonny. Uh, I was just behind him shaking my head going, no. <laughs> well, I, right. I've got, I've got years of experience handling these kinds of kinds of things. You just, you just, you run along. Hey, you want a sandwich? Yeah. You have years of experience handling people who are uh, so high they've lost their minds and went on murderous rages. He 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 looks at you. He looks at you through the visor of his thing and gets real close up to you and he goes, uh, "Lady, I've I've seen seen things. You, I'm dangerous, disturbing things. You don't want to know." I mean, look how many staplers this guy was hoarding. He's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> He's seen some stuff, dude. <laughs> All right. Can we so, get out of here and leave? I'm, the, I'm not uh, going to ar- argue with the guys with the murder robots. So. The elderly three stooges. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy Griffith, Barney, and I don't know the other golden girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the three the three elderly gentlemen sort of walk down the hallway uh, in the general direction of uh, where Red Barnes pointed, uh, seemingly having the situation in hand. Uh, you do you guys step outside the airlock through the? the Might as well. All right, sure. so you, cy- yeah, you cycle, you cycle through the emergency airlock, and outside you see uh, tracks leading up towards the thing, and and one snowmobile devi- uh, machine that sort of looks like probably what made the tracks that you guys saw from the smaller building. Uh, and you're you're hey, just a- free snowmobile guys, <laughs> which so- you could. Take if you like. You can use it to shuttle it over to the garage area. Or whatever you well, want to do. One, one note before I exit the building, um, I'm gonna pick up a, a lot of those comms and PDAs and stuff like that that I had piled in the hallway right. for evidence. Sure. Okay. I want to ask, we're giving up on the idea of leaving this building in rubble and of drugging the people. We're just going to leave kind of things as they are. Did we at least destroy their drug-making capability for now? Uh, did we get rid of the formula that we didn't want them to have that was causing the problems? Have we solved the problems we're supposed to before we leave? A little, maybe we'll do a little retconning. They, went, they, were, they had programmed the kettles in that lab to basically cook off the stuff so it was worthless. Okay, yeah, but yeah. Do, do we need to worry about the formula being left here, their computers, any of that, none of that? Because well, I know uh, Ken Shadow was able to destroy a room. They've got the formula on other PDAs. That's true. Okay. That formula's out. It's out there now. So, yeah. And that, well, that made Mr. Clemens very worried. So, uh, but, okay, so uh, back to the SRVs. Uh, you pile in. Ken Shadow takes a truck. You drive to your uh, ships without really any troubles, uh, and then you are back on your Vipers. The uh, the three are still in the quote prisoner pods. They're in custody for now. Uh, everything seems to be okay. You're back at your Vipers. What do you want to do? I get a burger at the spaceport. <laughs> <laughs> you could go to the spaceport. It's just down the street. Do we have any other objectives? <laughs> you guys, have, you've 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 found the source of the drugs. You've shut off the supply. You've uh, taken into custody the people that seem very knowledgeable about how these things came into play. And uh, you've there's someone who's ostensibly going to take care of all the crazy drug addicts. So we're going to fly off into the sunset uh, as heroes, then. 
You could. Right. You could do that right now if you wanted to. Also call in first. Or you could call I, in first. Or not. Whatever you want to so do. We just pack them up and fly them home. God, this sounds like a trick question. Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what it sounds like. It's like, you know, at the movies, when the movie ends and it's like, okay, this was the climax and then there's the ending and you don't follow them home and like see them like, oh, wow, that was crazy. And then go to sleep for the night. You know what I mean? All the people in the movie, the movie's over, the story's over. I feel like we're past that point. <laughs> like we've done all this stuff. And or it could be like the Lord of the Rings where you, following them. or it could be like Lord of the Rings where you think it's over. And then it yeah. fades to black, and then a new scene pops up, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, sorry. I just yeah, you it back down like and get the popcorn. Yeah, okay. I'm just trying to figure out where we are in that particular narrative. <laughs> I'll, I'll send uh, a quick a... message home saying, I'm still alive. Be back soon. Let's uh, let's do a party chat with Valis. What do you guys think? Yeah. All right. Who wants to make the call? I, I, I will initiate the call. All right. can, I, can we have everybody partied in? Yep. So, uh, so she picks up for Clint Shadow and says, "I was getting worried. It had been a long time since you guys had, since you had checked in. How how are things there in Perquona Seven? Uh, oh, we have the situation you. handled. All right. We have uh, neutralized the drug making facilities and the uh, the stock of drugs there. We have uh, the uh, brain trust behind the, uh, the drug making facilities in custody, and uh, we you have them uh, alive. Yes." And you can we still also kill him if you want. They're right here. No, no, absolutely not. No, I just no. wanted to see a look on their faces. Yeah, it's huh, cool. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's, 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 she's opposed to this idea. She says we have a literal have... mountain of evidence that we have collected as well, in, in forms of uh, comms, computers, and uh, everything in between. And I made you a sandwich. <laughs> she says you've captured we, them we alive, also... and you you captured them alive, and you were able to retrieve computer data. Yes, and I'm we also captured you a cook. Oh, excellent. You have a cook. Yes. Maybe you'll be making me dinner. We'll, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll fi- uh, so she's, she's uh, that you have exceeded my expectations on this. Uh, very, very well done. Rendezvous with me uh, at, at uh, Acellus Primus 2, where you took off from, and uh, we will negotiate payment and conclude our transaction. And very likely I'll be contacting you for additional work soon. If what you say has panned out to be true, this will help out immensely. And this is where we roll a one on our navigation check and our navigation. Uh, and fly into the sun. Yep. 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 That's We're exactly going to get paid. Yep. Y'all, y'all's going to get paid. Y'all's going to get paid. So, the, uh, uh, presuming you take off and head back to Acellus Primus, rendezvous with, uh, with Valis, you'll each get an additional, I believe it was 80,000 credits apiece uh, for the successful completion of the job. And you turn your. Uh, people over to custody into custody you let her know about the old guys and she sort of laughs and she kind of laughs at that and doesn't say anything does uh, uh sweaty guy seem to know who valis is uh sweaty guy ain't talking no more sweaty guy is not talking to anybody anymore but she but yeah you don't you don't you don't uh you don't you don't know you, there's no flash of recognition or anything he has no idea who she is and you lead him in all right can I ask a question just kind of uh, uh, to the side here? The guy we ran into, Dan, you said in the beginning, you said a, a Sean clone. That was just like a figure of speech, right? Because it's the same voice? Or is it very literally the same well, person? Out of character. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll, conclu- we'll, we'll conclude the story. We'll conclude, but we'll have a little wrap-up session here. I think it's important to have a little wrap-up session. You know, I, if you want to ask any questions about tying up loose ends or whatever. This, this question in the elite fiction 
clones are a thing, but they're not really legal. Oh, they're, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, clones Great. are... Uh, Salome, in, in the story, was ended up being a clone of some semi-famous person from about two or three hundred years ago, and they've just been perpetuating the line. So... They're there, they're but they're not legal, and they're not widespread, and not widely accepted or understood, or even people uh, or people aren't really aware of it. And it's a big universe, right? So even if you had a thousand clones, the chances of two ever meeting slim to none. You guys maybe just got lucky, or maybe not, or maybe guard frequencies farming clones. Maybe there's some kind of connection there. You just don't know. But you met Sean. At, you met Sean at Fabian City, at the customs office. You met Dan on Perquona 7 as a cook in a, in a uh, clandestine drug lab. That's a, Physically, that's a wide distance. Socially, that's a wide distance. Who well, knows? King Shadow is probably going to sample his DNA later. Maybe I should get it and uh, see if it's the same DNA, like if it is a clone. The, these are all things... I'm not sampling his DNA. You go sample his DNA. <laughs> <laughs> these are all things that will happen I didn't think anybody was going to catch it. <laughs> yeah, we're, not, we're not going to be describing those. The... the I will not be describing those any kind of detail whatsoever. None at all. That is not going to be a thing that I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, but see, the, uh, this is stuff that we can, um, that we'll have a break in the adventure here. And uh, those of you that want to continue with these same characters or roll new ones, will advance a couple of levels doing some downtime stuff that you can find in the EDRPG book. So you'll get some more cash for you know bounty hunting or trading or exploration or whatever, the variety of act- downtime activities you can do. And advance, get those extra levels and ranks. If you have questions or want to pursue some of the, uh, some loose ends here in the st- that we found in the story, we can do that. Excuse me, we can do that as well. And we might that might pick up. We might pick up those threads later in a further adventure, um, depending on what your character finds out or what questions they ask. And um, uh, you'll see you'll see these characters again and, and some more. You'll see some more characters as well. So, and does anybody have any other uh, questions or anything that they thought? didn't get addressed fully or were curious about Red wants to know if they found any connection between his old company and because he was right thinking weird stuff was going on right so um not that you're aware of but you did get a treasure trove of data from uh from shen's computer uh i don't know if you guys did you guys ever download i don't think you guys downloaded clemens's computer i don't know if you ever did that now he locked it before he could get over there, I thought. He locked it. So you, that might be something you've got to get out of Clemens. I'll go uh, talk to Clemens. You want to go talk, go talk, go talk to Clemens? Yeah. He is not in the mood. He did perk he did uh he did perk up a little bit when he saw the cutter. When you when you guys took him on board the Imperial Cutter, that seems to have maybe he's a little more relaxed than he was. He's not as nervous as he used to be. Because that cutter signifies somebody with connections. Uh, somebody with some with some oomph. Uh, in the Imperial world. He's just saying that because Tony has a cutter. I'm saying that because that's how the gaming system works. You don't get a cutter. You don't get a cutter unless you have unless <laughs> you have the connections. That's how that is. And if my if my player profile happens to have the rank of king in the game, well, that's just a. <laughs> I've maxed out on the Imperial grind. Uh, so yeah, but that but yeah, if you the the cut the cutter made him a little more relaxed. But he's still not real talkative. If you want to have a run at him, you can make a run at him. I'll, I'll make you roll the dice a couple times. If you want to do that, yeah, and I want to mention like if he's, he's a company name, I forget what I named. It. I think you named it Brown Sun, Brown Star. I think it was Brown. Wasn't it Brown Star? I think it was Brown Star. I think you named it the Brown Star, Brown Star Holly Company. I think is what you, what you called yeah. it, which I found hilarious. It's Blue Sun, Black Sun, you know, Brown Star. 
Uh, so he, uh, you can go talk to him in, in, in custody. They've got him in kind of, it's not a, it's not a cell, but it's a very austere crew quarter kind of a thing with a lock on the exterior. You open it up, you go inside. Uh, I'll bring, uh, some whiskey. <laughs> All right. You grab a bottle of whiskey from, uh, from Valis' stash. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and ask him, hey, you, uh, I was flying for Brown's son. And I know some fishy stuff going on, and I thought maybe you might know some. And I pour him a glass. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendly! So let's just be friendly! Some say he gets ill when people steal butts, and that maybe it's arsenic poisoning. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he'll put to you this week's feedback. And a recap of last week's community question. Will you help Operation IDA repair some stations and donate to their fundraiser? Did we miss anything out there in the world of space sims that we should have mentioned? Several wolf rights in. Only thing I can think of that wasn't directly discussed, because it came after the show, Shiv says, uh, in this week's episode was the Star Citizen Calling All Devs episode, The Economy of Spaceships, where they did specify that the current in-game costs of ships, which was a discussion from a few episodes back, are actually meant to be the end-game costs and that these costs are designed around the time spent versus worth ship size, hard points, equipment calculation that takes into account methods of credit sources not presently available in the alpha. Thus, the effort to attain these in-game presently is not reflective of intended release effort. Also, on Jet's comments about manual landing slash takeoff, hashtag Jeff is right. Oh, I got my own hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> We need proximity sensors on ships. Hell, we have parking sensors and reverse cameras on cars today, but nothing like it for sh ship landing in Star Citizen. Based on experience with things like helo flying in battlefield games, I suspect that in time pilots will get familiar with eyeballing landing pads slash spaces and having a solid sense of general of the general area and position of your ships is taking up and how much space you have to land or fly through. But that's not something a fresh player can do and needs to be learned for each ship. Just one thing my mate pointed out the other day on the speed of landing takeoff. When you quantum travel to a planet, you can then also do a mini jump to above the known landing point that saves you a lot of time. One fix for this Atmo takeoff would be allowing an in-Atmo quantum mini jump, mini jump points, Many jump mm -hmm. points, many mm -hmm. jump points, um, to a navigation satellite in geosynchronous orbit above the landing zone. This would also differentiate between the speed of getting into and out of known established landing zone versus general exploration onto unknown planets, or trying to come down to the planet side outside the designated zone. This could then be incorporated as an exploration and or base building gameplay element where you deploy a small navigational beacons in orbit of planetoids and planet side and then set up designated landing zones when you're building bases. One other fun gameplay element having navigation satellites could add, if you wanted to, effectively lay siege to a known landing point by destroying disabling the navigation satellite or beacon and thereby force anyone trying to get in or out to spend time in Atmo flight and thus make them more vulnerable into and out of the landing zone. So, um... There's a, this is dense. This is dense. There's nothing to cut here because uh, there's lots of good stuff. A couple of comments I had was yeah. um, the landings aren't so much a problem because you got automatic uh, auto landing. 
and a guide of some kind, at least an arrow pointing down to your, your middle of the pad. Um, uh, the, the point I was trying to make was that they needed to have like, because uh, sometimes when you slide into a, a refueling station and you're, and you're the size of a, of a 600i or a, a hammerhead or something like that, you're, you're nose in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's never a problem parking a moving van. It's always a problem getting it out of the parking uh, space. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The other thought was on the on the landing zones when I read this was I th- I thought the original intent was that they were going to have transfer stations in orbit above the major cities and that the whole idea especially like with these huge hull seas and and whatnot was that you would you could actually go into the transfer station in orbit and then take some type of ferried service down to the planet side that would be almost instantaneous and for major cities like hurston being one of uh, such a one this would make a lot of sense when you're transferring you know large jumbos of cargo yeah jeff i i agree that that was actually mentioned at one point well that's because of the some of the ships can't land with cargo Right. So yeah. So for like the whole series, you'd be able to dock, and then there was talk about shuttles. Whether what that time would be, because they physicalized the trains and stuff, they'll probably physicalize the shuttles as well. So I doubt they would be instant. Even even so, it'd still be a nicer way of getting in and out of the major cities, and and then you know they'd have these transfer stations in or in geosynchronous orbit above the platform, which would solve, which would be you know, what Silver Wolf was alluding to. So I, I, th- I think I think his point was right now you can you can QT to points that are directly above the cities and then you just go straight down. Yes. And yeah. I do that all. I, but there's no there's no way to skip. There's no way to QT from the from the ground up. And one of the problems they have right now is if you have like a big ship, like you have a reclaimer and you spawn it in Hurston um, because they've ch- half changed some of the flight model with this patch, the the, the, the reclaimer is so heavy that it can't keep itself aloft without its thrusters pointing down. Right. And right. so you end up with people who can't get enough forward thrust and, you know, vertical thrust to get out of the atmosphere in a timely manner. Like you end up with people like they have to stay in landing mode or whatever. And they spend like 45 minutes trying to break Atmo in a reclaimer from Hurston. Right. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. Obviously, yeah. it's broken. So that's realism. <laughs> yeah, it's realism. It's my immersion. And that's the reason for the transfer points, I mean, yeah. or the transfer stations, because th- that is a ship that you probably would never take down to the surface. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, those big ships like that shouldn't be landing in the first place. I mean, and that's and that's part of the thing. I, I don't think, because there's trains in the city, you're never going to get a transporter beam from the transport from every transfer station to the surface. That's just not going to be a thing. Right. Uh, yeah, because there wouldn't be trains. That's right. That's right. They wouldn't bother with trains. They'd just have transporter beams. But but I think that his point, his idea of setting up a nav beacon on the on, in orbit, and then a, a, a nav beacon quote quote at, at your landing destination that would allow you to quantum travel, a, another mini jump point, which I'm always in favor of. Uh, that's perfectly doable, and I love his his thought of that's how explorers can also start quote mapping stuff. 
you know somebody's been there if there's a, a point now, orbit down to a point of interest down there, and right. you, you could follow it. Maybe some of those beacons are super secret, and their IFF transponder only beeps in code, you know? like So if you're or, the one that said it, you can make it private. Or they're corporate only, or, or yeah. to be corporate clear, ideal. To be clear, this is not a new, new concept. This is something they've actually discussed. Okay, well, then they better do it, because it's more mini jump points, and the more mini jump points, the better. Yeah. I think well, we can they, they, they talked about land claim beacons and stuff like that before. Around the same time, they discussed the whole uh, deployable beacons for other purposes, right? And one of them is for uh, doing um, navigation points. But, right. but, but, that, but there has been a but, – but right now, you can't – even if you have the – the nav point targeted, you can't QT in atmosphere, and you can't. That's QT what I was gonna say. Uh, there's, the there's, that needs to change. That's got to change. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same rationale that they don't do it in um, Firefly. You know, it, it crazes like a nuclear explosion or whatever, right? Mm. Let's go ahead and retcon that. Yeah, think about it, because we don't have launch systems in any form, and it's really, really, really um, kind of silly to think that the kind of engines that are going to move something huge in space are going to be powerful enough to move something huge in, in any atmosphere it ever needs to encounter. So using your quantum drive as a launch system makes a lot of sense, especially if you have the option of not doing it that way to launch on ships that don't require it. I think they should have sled launchers. You know, you, you start up... <laughs> Ski jump, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that either. <laughs> For some of the big ships, sure, why not have some... Uh, thing that you have to go through to to get launched in some cases. No, I, I think I think the idea here is that that if you want to go down to a planet and you want to get the goodies on the planet, there's a certain planet tax that you have to pay, and that there's a lot of content in Loreville, and so if you want to go through all of the, if you want to go to that content and pick up those special missions and do that special stuff, you have to pay that that tax in terms of time. Um, the same goes for all the special station, special landing zones on the planets, and or if you want to mine on the planets, etc. If you don't want to pay that tax, you can go to other places in orbit and and sell your goods or, or buy goods and stuff like that, where you pay a much lower tax, but potentially have less lesser gains. Right, Brian likes trains. That's the, I think that's I, how I like, we can sum I that like up. Varied, Brian likes I like varied gameplay. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna <laughs> If you're going to make things different, make them different for a reason. This is, but this is where the transfer stations could could really play into that because then you could you you've got commerce, you've got customs, you've got uh, you've got shuttles, Lorville uh, in space. Well, a small, a much smaller version, but yes, essentially. Well, they're going to have bigger. They're going to have bigger space stations too, and there and there's things that are in between. Like you go fly to. Not, not Grim Hex, that's a bad example, but uh, you go to fly to... Uh, well, Art Corp. Ar- yeah, you go to Art Corp or something. Not not Art Corp. Art Corp's still a planet. What's the... What's the uh, Alistar? Oh, uh, no, no, no. Um, God, Levski? The, the dissident one. Anyway. Levski? Levski, there you go. Where it's, it, you know, you're, you're still landing on a planet, but you're paying a much smaller landing uh, planet tax in order to get down there, you know, uh, because there's less atmosphere and stuff. So, and no trains. And but but there is, it's a much smaller zone. Well, too. yeah, you, lower gravity, lower the lower density of atmosphere. I mean, there, there's all kinds of. I mean, if they really are playing the gameplay like they should be, those things would be a factor. And they are know? a factor right now. So that that that's yeah, not a huge factor because you can't even get out of atmosphere if you have a big ship. Yeah, or if you take that if you take that same reclaimer and you go to a moon, you don't have nearly the same problems exiting atmosphere because there's less atmosphere, there's less gravity. That stuff's that's just working right now. It's just not all there. 
we'll put working in quotation marks or marks right there because it takes 45 minutes to get to orbit. Uh, uh, the mechanics working. are working. The ship is not working. Um, well, <laughs> there was something else I wanted to, to. Yeah. Did you want to talk about the economy thing? Because I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Like his that whole speech that was on uh, calling all devs was super wishy washy, and I think that will. It remains yep. to be seen how fixed those prices are in my mind. I yeah, think. to me, it's that's a little bit bass backwards, right? You know, you set the prices and then you design the gameplay around trying to get people to earn that price. Yeah, mm. nah, I don't think that's going to go either. Mm. I, I, I would much rather have them design fun game loops and then tweak the reward amounts. And then once that all seems to be satisfying and good, then set the prices for those end game items. Because then, you know, later on, if they set the game prices... And then they set all these things up, and then playtesting is like, mining sucks. We need more money for it. Okay, have some more money for it. And then all of a sudden, the, the barrier to that endgame stuff goes down. Oh, well, crap. Now we got to tone down. You know, we got to either raise the price of the ship, and then everybody who is doing bounty hunting and data running, and they're like, you know, hey, now the ship's more expensive. Why'd you give the, the bump to the miner guy? I, mean, it, mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't, let, let's, let's analyze that just real quick before... Before moving on. So the idea here is that these individual ships cost a certain amount of playtime, right? And they have assigned some sort of arbitrary values to it based on what was... Tr- based, based on, on the, whatever, yeah. Ba- based yeah. on... It's arbitrary. Well, it's supposed to be based <laughs> on like modules and stuff, which whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Um, it's arbitrary. At the end of the day, it's really playtime, right? So, yeah. So therefore, you can balance each of the individual professions versus... The amount of time to earn a cutlass, right? You know, let's make sure it takes the same number of hours in these three professions when doing it the average way. Now, obviously, people micromanage and, and hack their way. They'll get a little faster. but Or exploit. Or, or exploit. But more power to them. But in the normal <laughs> way, this is how many hours it takes. As long as right. they're all... So, so they are going to punish the casual player. Uh, Every casual player is punished in these games, yes. That's how that works. Yes, yeah, because I mean, <laughs> the keyword—the keyword is average. Because on the average, half the people are doing it better, and half the people are doing it worse. And so, the average player is going to be is is going to be the one person that's sort of in the middle. That, I guess that's that's the definition of median. But if there's a few people that are blowing the scale off, I, I better correct my statistics here. If there's a few people blowing the scale off towards the high end, that moves the average up, way up. And there's a whole bunch of people doing like me, casuals. There's going to be a whole bunch of casuals who are never, ever going to be able to make those earn rates because the average is going to be set at a relatively high level. I, I, think, I think the good point we hear in Star Citizen, though, is that uh, you look at the prices where they are right now and you look at, like, like let's say mining. Mining is, is, is reasonably gets 30, 50K an hour at least, right? According to Shiv, our money yeah. expert. And I think I think with, with with that in mind, you know, most of like the the fighters and stuff like that are pretty reasonably, you know, it's going to take you a couple of days of saving up to get one or something like that, right? And then you know, if you want to get something bigger like a cutlass, it's going to take you maybe a couple of weeks. And I think those are reasonable goals for a single individual to save towards, you know, from the in the midterm gameplay. So I don't think that's right now. Is if, if that's the earn rate, you know, if that's going to be reasonable going forward, it's fine. Good feedback, Silver Wolf. You generated lots of discussion. Thank you. Sean Newboy writes in and says, "No way, you guys could do a better job than you have been doing lately. In this man's opinion, you guys are knocking it out of the park. The bar is now sky high." 
We're gonna need a mini jump point to get to that bar, man. We are. <laughs> You're gonna need a mini think- jump point to get to your egos after reading Sean Noboy's yeah. feedback. You know, Sean Newboy, you know, we don't give out promotions here. You know, I mean, we can't, like, we, uh, I, I can't give you a raise. Your check's um, in the mail. Yeah, Sean, so, I was just going to say that. Uh, Ch- Sean, your check's in the mail. Just just, just, just making it clear. Just making it clear. But thanks, Sean Newboy. You know, not not only is he does he write in every week, making him our, you know, like our most most reliable and, and long-term, been here since day one. He's always, he's infallibly nice to us. And then every once in a while, he just, like, plops a gem on like this one on us like well, thanks man i'm blushing ken from chicago writes wait so tony's worried it'll be years before hashtag star citizen has capital ships with turrets isn't the hammerhead ship all turrets all the time he continues at guard freak if you liked hashtag rebel galaxy seems like hashtag the outer worlds might be right up your alley too i agree I don't think it's going to be everybody's uh, cup of tea here, but I'm going to like it. They haven't made clear if there's going to be any spaceship piloting in that game yet. I don't think there is. It's just yeah. going to be like a, and it's it's like a single it's player fallout. story experience. Yeah, it's not going to be a space space sim. Yeah, the the trailer for uh, the Outer Worlds looks pretty fantastic, and it looks it looks it, it, the, the the thing says you know from the original creators of Fallout, like you know there's a little stab at Bethesda there, just a tiny little bit. Uh, and uh, I can't remember what the other one was, uh, uh, the other bit. But that that first, they're making it clear that this is supposed to be. This is what Fallout's supposed to be, kids. This is how it's supposed to be, not the '76 <laughs> stuff. I hope it comes with a cloth no. bag. It's actually a similar kind of situation that your character is in because I think you're like maroon or uh, marooned in a like ruined colony and you're still stranded yeah. in like a wasteland. So it's very good. It's gonna be very Fallout esque. Um, but it looks beautiful, really. It's neat art style. It's interesting. I'm into it. Yeah, I totally am too. It's 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 like Bioshock, uh, with a little more color and and fun. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's what that's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's a little steampunky. Yeah, uh, a little uh, bit. The and, other worlds. So I'm gonna have to check it out. I yeah. like that. Yeah, I think you. I think I'm 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 looking forward to it. It looked and it's a it's irreverent. It's it's got an irreverent sort of a uh, feel to it. Uh, nice. So I, I I think I uh, ex- excellent point, uh, Ken from Chicago. Yes, I think we're all looking forward to it. Will it space sim? Probably not. Will we Will we dig it? Probably, Probably so. so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and on the on the hammerhead turrets thing, yeah. I mean the hammerhead. It's a they they decided what it was, right? They decided it was an anti fighter gunship platform, and they designed it for that thing. And and he linked a video to it, and the hammerhead just sat there. The hammerhead sat there, and the little fighters zoomed around it, and people tried to shoot it with guns. I mean, it, that it if they decide what the guns are supposed to be, and they hit hard enough, um, fantastic. I think the one explosion I saw though was a freelancer just sort of like hung there, nose down, and everybody pounded on it until it blew up. The little tiny ships, I don't think, ever blew up, um, so it wasn't terribly effective as an anti-fighter platform. Yeah, I, th- I think. Well, yeah, I, I think he's just commenting that you said something hyperbolic, and that. Oh, gee whiz. Really? Me? Yeah. No. I wouldn't have ever done anything like that. Yeah. And a Hammerhead's not a capital ship either. It's like a gunship or a Corvette. So Yeah. Yeah, it, it could still be a long time before they get the turrets dialed in. I'll, stay, I'll stand by that. Akrova writes in and says, I've had similar issues to Jeff, or is it Geoff? Knew a guy whose mother was from Britain who spelled it that way, not to mention Admiral Geoffrey Tolwyn in Wing Commander. Sorry, Squirrel. Uh, 
and then picking up the sentence back where it left off about a million years ago, with the flight stick interfering in other games, especially the XCOM reboots. If the stick is plugged in, the Geoscape just spins around wildly. Given that it seems to affect wildly different types of games from two different unconnected developers, I'm wondering if it isn't something with the API for input devices rather than an issue with the games themselves. It's, it's an issue with device enumeration. Because every time you plug in a device, it's given a number, and the, but it's probably picking the lowest number in the stack in order to... Would it help if I configured my R- IRQ settings? You know what? <laughs> you, you, you laugh, but if you go in Device Manager, you can, you can, you can set, yeah. change some of those IDs. And so if it is an issue, oh. sometimes you can, you can fix that by changing them, pitching some of the variables in Device Manager. I wanted to move a jumper on my motherboard, though. Can I do that? You, you can. You go for it. While it's on, please. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, just just for your, your edification, it is Jeff. It is okay. the original spelling of Jeff. It's just that you damn Americans bastardized it into what this little four-letter word. So says another damn American. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he's so, Jeff like Jeffrey the Giraffe. Thank you very much. Right from the old from Toys R Us from, from the, old, from the from now the extinct old. Toys R Us. Yes, exactly, exactly. You had to put that in there. Okay. It's by the, the most... way, I'm older than that, so I have the name before he did. <laughs> That's right. The giraffe came after me. Named after me. me. <laughs> and Jeff outlived that giraffe too, man. You won, dude. You got your name. That's he's right. gone now. I'm the, la- I'm the last giraffe standing. He, he's he still he still lives in uh, he still lives in Canada, right? Which doesn't really count, but still. Patreon this week is none but Shiv sent patches. You should have them uh, by now or very soon. And this week's community question: Tell us how you feel about launchers and platforms. Does the publisher interface influence your decision to buy a game? Are you happy with where your ships are in the pipeline? And how's that elite update treating you? And otherwise, how is the show? Are we disrupting delivery channels and breaking monopolies? Or are we bowing to market pressure and selling out to our corporate masters? Drop us an email, a tweet, or comment on our show posts, which you can find on our website and over on our Facebook page. And that brings us to the end of episode 241 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 242 on December 18th, 2018. So be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist and master web slinger, Ben Sanders, our elite contributor, Baxter, and of course, our audio engineers, Mikey, Lennon, and Bill Hardy. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Is actually episode two forty one of the best. Oh, dance. you can take. We can. We can. We can take the actually. Yeah, that was. That was a joke, a joke from last week. I don't yeah, it's a joke from last week. I'm Ken Shadow. Oh, sorry. I'm Tony. Want to help us make the best damn space and podcast ever? 
You <clears throat> wait, that wasn't really a question, was it? Want to help us make the best damn sim? Why can't I read this line? I read it all the time. You can always show your support by visiting our Why Can't I Read Any Mars? <clears throat> that that was fine. You could have left it like that. That would have been good, but you know. Oh, sorry. I was pouring coffee. Then can I... Then can I just hashtag Tony's wrong. Anyway, go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> I, I think I think the the age of when, you know, for most people on the PC, if it wasn't on Steam, they don't play it. I think that those days have sailed for most PC players because there's just... That's the gamble. Okay. Oh, did another one get in here? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, give me, give me like five seconds. We, we will, I, we will. I, we'll hold I, that. Phone. I am not. Where you at? Uh, I'm not. Uh, oh, I, hey, hold on, Jeff, because I'm going to have him repeat the line that that uh, that it's uh, those days have sailed. I'm going to have him repeat that, and then you respond to it. Just, I just, uh, I don't want to mess with the recording because if we do it now, he'll we'll have Ken Shadow saying, "Oh, like those days are sailed." <laughs> Go ahead and put that in a blooper reel, Michael. Beep. Just lay down the law there. Did you kick that cat's ass? Kick that cat's ass. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of damn kittens. Anyway, um... As Arissa and Aisling... Dan, I, I'm doing Aisling now. We've been corrected. You should draw up the arse.